With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I just decided I would put all of my cars in the shop. What happened? Well, I okay. The, the Cayenne, the What's Cayenne, going on? the Cayenne just runs, and we know this. The Cayenne is the great, okay. reliable, awesome car. You and I, <laughs> which were, I love for saying, I love exactly. that statement. You and I were on a shoot, and it threw a check engine light, which yeah. this car has honestly not done in the time I've owned it. I have never seen the check engine light on on this car, which ever. is a good thing. That's a good exactly. thing yeah. for anything. And I feel like every car I've ever owned, every now and then, it hiccups and throws a check engine light. Today was or yesterday was the Cayenne's day. You just threw a check engine light. I and, and I put my plugged in my OBD reader to it, and my OBD reader said, for whatever reason, I can't read this car. Take it to Great. the shop where you spend money. So exactly. So I took it to our friends who have worked on every car, including the the dying Lancer, and mm-hmm. who I, yes. which I saw today covered in snow, and it was actually kind of sad. It, but anyway, Sheesh. that's a side thing. So I took it in. Uh, the code is what I thought it was. It is just a random check engine light burp. Okay. It's it's nothing. I'm glad to hear that. So I'm uh, doing an oil change while I'm in, and, and the Cayenne's back. But, but the irony for me, this is the whole reason I bring it up. Because for today in my life, the day we're recording this, mm-hmm. I could honestly say that the only good winter car I had was a $5,000 Volkswagen Phaeton. That is the reliable one that, that was the, runs. If you need a winter car right now, that's your car. I, just, I am fascinated by the fact that that's even possible, but it happened. Delicious, delicious irony. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Friday. Last call for host jackets in January 2020 before we start thinking about springtime merchandise and all that kind of stuff coming at us. But it's still winter right now, so last call for those. Really hope you guys are enjoying the ones. uh, Those of you who have ordered, hope you like those. And uh, we've seen them. They look great. The um, note about the TV episode this Saturday, January Mm -hmm. 25th, 2020, that is a rerun from uh, the prior season called yes. The Middles. So yes. one of our favorite episodes. On tomorrow, in fact. And, yes, Saturday uh, morning. Yeah, one of our favorite episodes because we drove sort of the mid-price. Are they fun? Are they useful? Where do these cars fall? It's the Hyundai Veloster N mm-hmm. up against the Civic Si and the Rabbit Edition GTI. So before... The GTI goes crazy, and they come out with the brand new eighth generation. The eighth <laughs> the generation, last yeah, gasp. yeah, the, the Mark Mark Eight. Yep, it's the asphalt color, the the metallic asphalt pewter color Ugh. of the Rabbit, and uh, so both those three cars, uh, sorry, all three of those cars yes. being driven and uh, absolutely evaluated. So we had a lot of fun on that shoot, and a lot of people really responded to that. So yeah, for sure, we're showing that again. It was a good one to rerun. Uh, by the way. We've, Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you're a fan of this podcast, you like what we do here, do us a favor. Honestly, one of the best things you can do is give it a rating and review. It doesn't matter how many we already have. Your vote counts. Your your rating and review counts right now in keeping this podcast in the upper level of the automotive podcast. We greatly appreciate that. While we're talking about the podcast business-wise, I should also say this. We are changing some gear behind the scenes. Mm-hmm, Things yes. may sound a little different. If you have commentary on that, we are open to that as well. You guys are listening even more than we're talking. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> that's so thank amazing. you for that. And uh, man, the, I, I, this is going to sound weird. We've got two really good car debates. We do. And we I do. almost want to rush through them because the questions are even better. They're good. I, I love the debates too. But yeah, the questions, compliments to all of you. Thanks to our TV sponsors, Covercraft, Griot's Garage, and now Haggerty being added to the list. And so we're really proud to announce our partnership with Haggerty. And uh, you will hear all kinds of stuff coming throughout the year from uh, from Haggerty. But yeah, thanks to all three of those companies for helping us produce the TV content and getting that out to you. We're ramping up our YouTube channel as well and continuing the Fast Blast content. And so mm-hmm. there's there's more stuff everywhere. There's actually an Everyday Driver explainer video on YouTube that yep. talks about yep. all the places our content is available and where you can find it. So if you're curious, go watch that. It's just 60 seconds long. Go mm-hmm. watch that. So yeah, thanks. Huge thanks to those companies. And we do feel like we're family with all those companies. You've heard me say it before, but I really want the companies that Todd and I partner with to benefit you guys, our audience. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we're yeah, all in this yeah, together. Sure. The yeah. disease, the <laughs> feeding the itch, whatever we yes. call it. But we, I, I we are all benefit. stricken. Let's try to <laughs> exactly. let's try to rally as a group. Yes, that, I agree. That's where I'm at. We, you know, companies that we know, we love, and mm-hmm. we feel like we're all part of them. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we want. So Good news, everybody. Maserati has introduced the Edizione Ribelle Special Editions and GT Sport oh, Packages man. for 2020. Essentially, this means the Rebel Edition of all their current product lineups because 
they're sort of old and we need yeah. to get back in the news. And so we just put black trim and black wheels and black accents and when black tailpipes on everything. You think Rebel Edition. I, that's yeah, for sure. where my brain went. I thought Rebel <laughs> Edition, Special Edition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, if you're shopping, <laughs> you're probably not shopping Maseratis. <laughs> you're you're probably not. If you've got more cars in the garage space, and we suspect you probably do, then you need to protect it with a custom car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the NOAA Custom Car Cover. They're each made to fit your car perfectly, and they resist moisture, but also breathe to eliminate condensation. It has four-layer protection for all weather conditions, and it protects your car from UV rays as well. The NOAA covers even have a soft inner layer, are made entirely in the USA, and come with a four-year warranty. In the worst winds we've seen, the NOAA cover stays put. Todd had one on the Lancer and it kept the paint pristine in all conditions. I wore one out after nine years of daily use on my Audi Avant, and people always asked how I kept it so nice. Plus, you can defend your interior against kids and dogs and spills and any weekend adventure you might have in the mud and snow with custom seat covers from Covercraft. You can have the nicest car all winter long with help from our friends at Covercraft. And you can get 10% off your custom car cover and any Covercraft product by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com and it even ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com to keep your car looking its best. Let's do a car debate for Jonathan in, in San Jose. He has never paid off a car in his life. Which, honestly, I've only done it once. He has that thing of every, every few years you get the disease, you move on, you buy something else, you pay that off, you sell and you buy. And I, I get it. Which is, Let's be honest. This is the reason that people lease. You've just accepted you have a car payment. There's a lot of benefit to that reality. If you yeah, accept sure. you have a car payment, you can lease something, get a great new thing, and you move on in a couple of years. So Jonathan has decided, since he bought his current Ford Focus, he decided to settle in. He bought himself a 2014 Focus ST. He has, he, this year, he is just about to finish paying it off, which leads to, you could all hear the question coming, I'm about to pay off my first car ever. <laughs> I should get a different car. It's sort of the natural question. You're right, Jonathan. So he bought his first car at 16, just turning 35, never paid off the car. And so after a litany of, well, there's some interesting cars on here. For he sure, actually yeah, had yeah. an 09 yeah, yeah. Lancer Rally Art for two years. I saw that. D- just that? just long enough to get out of it before the engine blew. I mean, just long enough that, <laughs> I knew that it was wasn't coming. a problem for him. Yeah. All right. So he had a Ford Focus, Scion TC, Nissan 350Z, the Rally Art, a Mazda Speed 3, and now this Ford Focus ST. And so he's thinking about, all right, what what do I do here? Now mm-hmm, that I'm mm-hmm. about to pay it off, yeah, yeah. the itch has never gone away. He's never stopped shopping for cars, just like we all <laughs> we are. We all do, all the time, yeah. He's never stopped that, but he's kind of saying, all right, something that is new and exciting and grabs his attention, like the Civic Type R and like the Veloster N, mm-hmm. the question here is, would those cars do anything that much better for a daily driver mm, mm. that warrants his need and desire to trade in the focus. Yeah. Should he step up to something different if it's to those? Does he get anything really different out of it? It's a great question. I love it, Jonathan. Well, he's saying, to be honest, uh, you know, it's a great car. It still works fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's only used for his daily drive. And he says some occasional fun driving down twisty roads. He's considered autocross has not attempted it yet, but it is modified. Full bolt-ons, tuned-by mountain, some light suspension mods, lightweight wheels, and good tires. He's got PSS tires, Michelin. Very cool. And he's ripped out the Sync 2 system and replaced it under great difficulty and duress with a Sync 3 from a wrecked Ford Escape. That's fascinating that you took the time to do that, but but I'm glad that it worked for you. That's very cool. So you have modernized this thing and you've made it yours, which makes this discussion harder because you and I, obviously, we don't cover the tuned cars very much because where do you stop? How do you quantify? Sure, right. You know, as you change something, it, it's impossible to compare and contrast. But that Civic Type R and Veloster, and you and I have talked about at length about loving both of them a lot. So there's no question yeah, that those sure. are very good cars. For sure. My big thing for you, though, Jonathan, is you're, you're, you're driving right now a good, well-set-up front-wheel drive hatch. The two you're looking at are good, well-set-up front-wheel drive hatches. <laughs> okay? Right. I actually think the Veloster N is more fun than the Focus ST. Now, I haven't driven your Focus ST, true, but true. I think the Veloster N is more fun than the Focus ST. I think the Civic Type R, a little bit different animal in feel. I think it could be argued that it's more fun as well. I think the shifter is better for one thing. Okay, But I don't know that either of them go far enough away from where you already are. I think you're asking the right question in spite of the fact that this sounds much more mature than I would normally be. You're asking the right <laughs> question of, is it worth the jump? Mm-hmm. Because the new experience guy in me is just, we'll just take the jump because it's something different. But my thinking for you is, 
I, I'm guessing because you brought up those two cars, you have around 30 grand to spend. Civic Type R, Veloster N, they're both around 30 grand. So you have roughly 30 grand to spend. That's what I was thinking about. I'd like you to get a new experience. Let me put it another way. If you're going to move, get a new experience. Leave front-wheel drive hatches. Oh, I see. A completely uh, different platform. Let's get something else, either all-wheel drive or yeah. rear-wheel drive that meets your needs. And I've got a few I want to list here. I like both the cars you're considering, but, if, but since you are just about to reach the milestone of, I've paid this car off. If we're going to change, if we're going to create another car payment, let's get something different than, uh, let, let me put it another way. Do you want your wife to walk in and go, wait a minute, you just paid off the front-wheel drive hatch that you really liked, and you now have a car payment on a front-wheel drive hatch? Do you want to have that conversation? <laughs> I'm thinking right. that you don't. That's a great point. Look, we've, uh, we've long said, Jonathan, that you don't have to dislike your car to get out of it. You don't have to dislike it to give it up. We've said this for years now. But as a counterpoint to your ownership history and your purchase habits, I want you to enjoy the feeling first. I want you to mm, enjoy the feeling mm. of having a paid off car. Yeah. That's because cool. the cheapest car you will ever own is the one that is paid off. Yeah. 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 All right. I want you to marinate in that. I want you to spend a few months just enjoying. Wow. I don't have a paid-off car. Well, look at all this extra money. There are no car payments. What am I going to do with this extra money? I have the title in my in my drawer. Here's the title. There is there there are few things as uh, I think uh, we attach emotion to highly mm-hmm. as a new car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the same level as buying a new digital camera or a new laptop oh, true. True, or true. Uh, mm-hmm. even a new watch. I mean, although I do like. You are about the watches. Yes, for sure. But as far as the emotion quotient, the Mm -hmm. the quantifiable emotion that comes from owning a brand new car Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of what that says, it's not just I have the car. It's, well, I can go on and go do the thing that I've always wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a canoe on the Porsche now. Something. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's There's a canoe on the Porsche. (laughs) There you go. I've. I've attained this new lifestyle. We're going to go do blank with my family now because I've got the car to be able to go do it or road trips or whatever that Mm -hmm, is. mm -hmm. So I want you to think about your needs, reevaluate your needs against your wants. Mm, Because I agree with Todd. If you just go get another fun front wheel drive hatch, well, you've you've done that. You know that there's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay. There's more fun, but hmm, I think it's going to leave you wanting again. And so your also needs are changing with a growing family. So the mods factor in for sure, because are you ever going to be able to recoup your investment in those mods? No. We say no. Mm-hmm. And so you got to factor that in. I want you to enjoy a time period where you're not paying for anything <laughs> and you're just enjoying what you bought. Okay. I like this. We're being surprisingly mature today. Well, as I'm not sure what's wrong with us. I know. Yeah. This might have kind of strange. Checked, but anyway. Today, I guess if you have financial advice, today's the day, yeah. right? <laughs> Because we'd we'd actually steer you right, it's, but the it's a, rest nar- of the it's time. a narrow window. This is your <laughs> yeah. shot, and if you haven't posted the question already, I'm sorry you've missed your opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So, as you said, you know, will anything do do whatever you're looking for that much better? Mm-hmm. And so, the need and the quantifiable want is not it's not further than just more fun, something new. Mm-hmm. So, I want you to define better. What is better? What is, okay. what is better to you? What will okay. that be? Right. What will you get out of that? And therefore justifying more expenditure. And, you know, I want you to be able to say, I've paid off a car in my life <laughs> and enjoy it. <laughs> You're enjoying those mods. The mods especially yeah. are, are yeah. kind of a flag to me. Not a red flag, but just, it's It's know, a note for sure. Yeah, yeah, I see it. There's something it. there. Yeah. And so I, I want you to enjoy that. And then once you've rethought over the period of months where you keep that ST, that paid off ST, and then you can think, all right, now driving homework, what mm-hmm. are the things that I'm interested in? Leading to some suggestions here about different platforms, mm-hmm. different engine placements. What have I always been interested in that I've never thought I could afford that eh, I'm not sure and I just don't know much about because I've never driven it. Okay. All right. Now all right. is that time while you have a paid off car to go exploring. Okay. To go homeworking. So do you have homework? I'm thinking about different platforms and and okay. the usual suspects come to mind about mid-engine versus the front wheel drive front engine that you've you know you've prior you know enjoyed previously. So Cayman is on my list. I want you to experience a Cayman. Okay. I want you to experience 
a lot of different things. I mean, maybe now is the time to just go shopping and take some test drives and just be that normal person that walks in and you go on the dealer pre-planned route and you just start to get a taste. You can always come back and do it again. Yeah. You can always dive in further. I want the, the turbocharged sure. fun, yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, I would suggest maybe something over here in the high power Corvette front engine. Whoa, look at you. Okay. Big boy yeah. kind of thing, but that might not be for you. So what about something way over here and definitely mid engine, definitely mid engine. Uh, interesting to drive for sure. Totally different world. I mean, you've, you've done the lightweight hatch thing too. And I'm not saying go heavier, but just different engine placement for the feeling that rotation feeling. Okay. So full sports car would be very fun. I would love that for Jonathan. I actually thought, all right, I think you are a guy based on your history that you, and you said you're married with two kids. So that's why you've had four door hatches. So I want to respect that, but I want to get you away from front wheel drive hatches. So I have a couple for you. This one's very close to where you are, but here's why. Doesn't, doesn't the focus throughout the whole line, isn't it the same hub? My point is, could you put your lightweight wheels and tires on an RS? Oh, Oh, get a used uh, I Focus RS. I, I don't the, know. Right you're now. talking bolt pattern. Yeah, I'm wondering if if, if they'll fit on there. Hmm. I, I genuinely don't, I don't have it in front of me. I genuinely don't know. But if you could, I just wonder what's a Focus RS, which is now all wheel drive with more drifty goodness. If you really, mm-hmm. if you wanted, mm-hmm. so a very different feel. All wheel drive with the lightweight wheels. What would that feel like? It may not be honestly far enough from where you are right now. But I just thought, huh, you got lightweight wheels and tires already. Will those fit on an RS? Now mm-hmm. we've got – granted, I do hear the conversation with your wife coming of, wait, wait, wait. You got rid of the Focus, Ford Focus you had paid off and got a Ford, Ford, Ford Focus you don't have paid off? I can definitely see that. That's coming. also a sticky situation. It is. So I, I have to say this. GLA AMG 45. Yeah, 30 grand in your pocket, just go get one. That's interesting. You wind up with uh, dual clutch, which you lose your manual, which is a bummer, but you wind up with dual clutch, more luxurious interior. That car is a riot, and it's all-wheel drive. True. So I have that one. And then my wild card for you gets you into rear-wheel drive, but still do four-door hatch. Get yourself a used Panamera and enjoy. Hmm. Those are larger, of course. Yes, but but I think the dynamics of it are going to make up for the fact that it's larger. I think you're just going to enjoy it. It's the it's the four door nine eleven. It really is. The nine nine two is so big now that the Panamera really is the four door nine eleven. I mean, I'm I'm looking at your suggestions and weighing them through the better filter because he's asking, is something that much better? We've got to quantify what's better. Panamera is better in a different way. It's not as light for sure. It's bigger, but it's got more space. It drives well. Mm-hmm. You know, interiors fantastic. The interiors are great. The exteriors for the one you're gonna be able to afford is gonna be questionable. But the <laughs> but the interiors fantastic, <laughs> like and the rear wheel drive dynamics you're gonna love. Or get it all wheel drive. Either way, that's not going to feel like your focus. It really isn't. It's gonna feel like a different dynamic of car, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think this is a bit of an ongoing thing. We uh, need to identify. Started. He's just starting. I mean, yeah. I'm even thinking Alpha Julia and the Genesis G70 and if the sedans. If he wants to shop that, that are, far out, it'd be great. You know, rear wheel drive yeah. and all those kinds of things. More power. I wonder if Jonathan is kind of used to the hatch, though. That's kind mm-hmm. of why I wonder about it. But I agree with you. Getting into those sedans would be fantastic. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. In fact, many of Griot's first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. And they're a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care style directly from Griot's. We've used Griot's Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and their website and starter kits that will help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made right here in the USA. They offer a 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Matt S. is in Charleston, South Carolina, and he is currently nursing a broken ankle and a broken collarbone because he was in an accident where he totaled his 2006 V6 Accord. Mm. Matt, we're just happy you're okay. Yeah, for sure. I emailed him back recently and just said, hey, are you... Are you still looking yeah. for something? Yeah, he is yeah. still not driving at this point at Oof. this recording. And we're sorry about that, but hopefully you're on the mend. 
He has got a black Porsche Boxster 987.2, and like it was it. not the Porsche. It was the Accord that is gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's, uh, you know, not the greatest holidays because, you know, he's in the air cast and the yeah. collarbone's yeah, yeah. broken. And it's, it's one of those things, and we're very sorry to hear that. But, again, glad you're okay. And so that leads him to shopping for something new. The Daily, the prior Accord had a tow hitch and a roof rack. So he was towing the jet skis, and he was carrying the kayaks. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I mean, does that mean you have to put the canoe on the Cayenne or the Cayman, I mean? There you go. There you go. Yeah. Now I'm going to go kayaking in the the Cayman. I'm confused. Yeah. All right. So this is also the adventure car, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the Mm Porsche is going nowhere. It's staying. That's the fun car. But now he doesn't know what to do to replace his Accord. And I'm guessing you've got about four or five grand... And that's insurance money. I'm guessing yeah. what that, that means. He says the most he'll probably get is four or five grand out of it. And the most he wants to spend is 10 grand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, we're up at 10 grand because nothing else in the four or $5,000 range really interests him mm-hmm. for the things he needs it to do. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. he very much is doing the tool for the job kind of car buying. He's got the Cayman and then now he needs the adventure car. Okay. He thought anywhere from a forerunner to get a completely different experience to a newer TLSH, the super handling all wheel drive Acura. And it's essentially the better version of the Accord. What is in this $10,000 price range that he's not thinking about that's good for utility, good as a daily, but a little bit more fun to drive than a 4Runner? He's worried he'll just like the 4Runner and he'll be doing the off-road driving thing and, you know, nice to drive on the roads. But what else is out there? There's actually a few things. And the first thing that came to mind was a 2003 Hummer H2 because they're not... Wait, no, no, no. That's wrong. (laughs) They are 10 or 11 grand. If you're actually crazy. caring about those old Hummers, just thought you'd like that moment of levity. The Saab 92X mm. was the first thing that popped in my mind, or that second-gen Subaru so. Impreza wagon. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. probably have just enough to tow your jet skis. Because if mm. we go to Hot Hatch or something smaller, it might not have enough towing capability. It depends on the car, but it might not be able to tow something. I mean, mm. usually the tow hitch, like our friend Greg in town, whose M2 competition we drove... His tow hitch is solely for his road bike attachment. Yep. That's it. It's really the only M2 competition in town with a road bike attachment. It, you can tell right away. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, there's Greg. 92X has a 2,000-pound towing capacity. Just looked it up. There we go. There you go. So that, that I, would I, I do it. I like it a lot. I had it on my list, too, but I hadn't looked up the towing yet. That's a very good point. Very and good point. I, I was towing like with, since you're Honda guy, I was towing with the Honda CRV, something used, as much mm. CRV as you can get for ten grand. Sure. Or if you sure. want to go something bigger and maybe a tiny bit more off-road capable, you could look at Honda Pilots. There are a yeah, wide range yeah. of prices on those, and they are big. They're almost as big as Tahoe's. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's light off-roading, carry a bunch of gear, adventure vehicle. You could commute at them. And being that they're Honda, they'll theoretically get a little bit better fuel mileage than your average, you know, Jeep Cherokee or something like that. Because all of those cars are now in this price range from Equinoxes to Cherokees to, you know, all sure. these older yeah, yeah. SUVs yeah, yeah. that you think, where did those go? They're in the ten or $11,000 range now. Mm. But I want you to have something interesting and fun. That's why I came back to that 92X, that platform, mm-hmm. thinking automatic or manual, whatever you want. Or like I said, that second generation Impreza wagon, okay, kind of interesting, right. bomb around, a bit bulletproof. Mm-hmm. You don't care, you know. Kayaks on the roof, towing something else. I think that could work. That's a good one. I had it on my list. I love that. That's where you went because I had it on my list as well. Because I thought, you know, if you go back far enough, because there's the the WRX uh, tax essentially. Those almost always sell for more. That's true. And I would say true, STI yeah. hatch, but I don't think you can find those for ten grand yet. So, uh, yeah, I don't so know I, the 92X is a really nice one to land on. I'm going to come back around. I had kind of two categories, so I'll stay in this category first. I had one that was much more, you really do want to do utility stuff with it. And then I had things that were thinking more along the lines of your Accord, which proves that you'll do utility stuff with a car not really meant for it. Mm, okay. So I thought okay. more, I've got two cars that are cars that are much more, this is your daily, and by the way, because you're the, a guy that is willing to tow stuff, you'll tow it on that car. Right. So I have those thoughts as well. So first off, on the ones that are kind of more obvious for utility, the 92X is on. The other one I thought of is an early 2000s Subaru Forester. Oh, interesting. Now, that has gotten less and less enthusiast as it's gone on. But the early 2000s ones, look at them. They are the I need more space 
variant of the WRX STI. Yeah, but what's nice is they're not nearly as bloated as the newer ones. Exactly. They're actually kind of exactly. compact they're in a kind of cool looking. weird way. You can go nuts on those cars, turning them into STI variant monsters. You can. I There's saw one of the day, few. actually, in Park City that yeah. just the stance and everything about it, it was sports car, but the look of it was, that's an SUV because it's yeah. a small old Forester. Totally. So they've got the big, you know, snow shovel uh, hood scoop and the whole thing. So early Forester would work to be the hauler that can also be fun. If you, We may have to do some stuff to it, but there's that. And then I went with two actual sedans to replace that Accord. Okay. You right. mentioned, actually, the, the TL. So you brought that up, Matt. And I have to say that the Acura TL, super handling all-wheel drive, is a really good thought. You're out of your Accord. Should you get a TL? I think you'd enjoy that car. I think it would It'd be good. Probably do about the same as the Accord. What you were asking your Absolutely. Accord to do, yes, probably do I think about so the too. same. Yeah. So if you're leaning more toward the daily than the utility, I think that is is a worthwhile option. But that got me going toward two others. You can get two. I found them 2014s, which is like the beginning of the current generation Mazda six for ten grand. No kidding. Yes. Right at the beginning of when they launched the current, when they beginning when they launched That's the current the body, new body style, style that I like. so you can get them for ten grand. That's really? a lot of car. It's a lot of car for ten grand. They are they handle better than you think. Huge trunk, great space, great amount of people space in the yes. front and the back. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So Mazda six is an option. The other one I thought of that I think is going to be better to drive than the Acura. Frankly, better to drive than the Mazda six too, but might not be your taste. But also works. Cadillac ATS for ten grand. If you're if you're looking at the early ones and you're looking at dailies, they are out really? there. Really, if, if you want a car that's a nice daily, that's rear wheel drive, excellent chassis, early Cadillac ATS. Ten grand is possible. Interesting. Those things are probably just going to run too. I think they're going to do really well. Yeah. So those are my two two sedans, ATS and Mazda six, and then I went with you on the on the Saab nine two X, and then a Forester if you want to have some fun. When we're searching for cars for you, local or nationwide, our searches start with AutoTempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters into AutoTempest one time and then search them all at once. With AutoTempest, you enter your search one time and see local or nationwide results from Cars.com, TrueCar, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, AutoTrader, or CarGurus without entering anything new. And they just added a link to Facebook Marketplace, too. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. So if you're doing your drive homework, chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, head to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Okay, we've got so many questions, as oh we gosh. said. We've got to jump in. By the way, a public service announcement. I have added a requirement, not a requirement, but oh, if you're writing okay. your, your uh, not Topic Tuesday, your email to us, your debate. Mm-hmm. Would you please include your sort of estimated purchase time frame? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to purchase right. in a you know a couple of weeks to three four weeks <laughs> versus you know what I'm thinking next summer kind of thing. Not that that necessarily qualifies where it falls in the queue. Fair, but fair. It just it helps us kind of get to things and, yeah. and understand you know your time frame all that kind of gives stuff. us good so. understanding. That's funny. Also, I'm going to request that when we ask for questions, that is not where your car debate goes. Yes, for sure. Uh, for if sure. you have a car debate, we we want to read it. We will read it, whether we cover it or not. We will read it. But if you have a uh, help me buy a car, guys, question, we would much prefer you send that to Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. That's the funnel for those. You can also go to the contact form on the website EverydayDriver.com. The the social media thing asking for questions is not intended to be car debate related and we have many that are great all right jump in here where do you want to start um so honestly there's so many good ones you know i'm gonna start right here real quick adam on twitter okay said that when we've talked about the miata the nd he's kind of kind of shaking his head at me real quick he said we talked about the nd i made the comment i did i don't fit well in it and i don't yeah yeah then we drove the ndrf for television for our cheap sports cars and i said again i don't fit well now, you and I won't shut up about the, the Indy with the new engine. And I'm he's like, why on earth am I now okay with it? Uh, Adam, <laughs> let, me, let me unpack this a bit. First off, I'd like to hear this, actually. Remember, I drive a Lotus. Yeah. So I am no stranger to, wow, this doesn't fit well. I, I mean, once you're in the Lotus, it's okay. But let me put it to you this way. When I am in the Lotus, my hair is barely touching the roof. When I put a helmet on, I have to crouch. 
Okay. I have yeah. to pull the straps down as far as I can, like compress my spine and like lean forward to get a, in the car with a helmet. It'd be weird if you didn't, though. It's an Elise. Yeah, exactly. So the the Miata is very similar. Now, I touch my head on the ceiling, I would say, literally, like maybe a quarter of an inch more than I do in the Lotus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the difference. It's It's very minimal. I don't like it enough in its current seating position to buy one. What I have not done yet is sat in the Recaros that they offer with the uh, the club version. And yeah, I have right. heard, I have heard and I have read that has more headroom. If that's the case, then the car becomes an option. The reason I am so excited about it is that we like the new engine so much and I just love light cars. And I look at the landscape of cars that are out there that are light and chuckable and there's so few. And then... I look at my Lotus and realize that, I mean, no limited slip diff, mm-hmm. difficult to replace, all mm-hmm. these kind of things, and I go, I don't really want to take the risk of it in the winter. And here's a Miata that you can buy, you can replace, you can drive, and it's light. I'm like, that's starting to check all the boxes except they don't fit well. What I can't do is I can't do the tall man mod where you drop the seat an inch and bolt it in again oh. because my wife's going to want to drive the car. Oh, yeah, right. And right. she's like eight inches shorter than me, and she has to have a different seat adjustment. So I have to have an adjustable seat. So if, big if, big, big if, I can sit in the Recaro and fit, mm-hmm. then it becomes a genuine option to buy. If I can't, somebody's got to come up with another seat option where I can lower the seat and have it adjustable, and that's probably going to take the car right out of contention. I'm just kind of hoping for the best, let's be honest. I think it's so funny because we're the same height. I think you have one more vertebrae than I do. I, I because might. Because you actually sit higher. Mm-hmm. And actually, for me, to be honest, the reason I'm so sold on the car is that engine has woken up that lightweight platform for me. Mm-hmm. I like the lightweight thing, too. I just don't like small, underpowered cars that... Just they feel cheap when they're not fast. There's a fun question don't coming like later that. that covers all of that. I know so, you don't. So yes, I love that RF, and I would take the sacrifice. I'm a little bit better in the seating position. I still You're have to duck off. and slouch yeah. a little bit, but yeah. I could actually kind of make it work. But yeah, if those seats were actually the solve, then boom, holy cow, what a car. So yes, I'm uh, very excited about that car, if you can't already tell. There's also a question question over here on Twitter from Daniel H., and I'm going to wish you a happy birthday, Daniel. Thanks for writing in because I felt compelled to take this one. I see it. Do we use a lot of different chemicals and products when washing our cars or do you just stick with car washing soap and a pressure washer? Mm. He loves cleaning his car, but doesn't know if it's worth spending the money for the right chemicals for the job. You've heard this podcast, right? You've heard Paul (laughs) talk about this before, right? I mean, by happy birthday, but but brace yourself. I'm just saying, hang on to something. How much time do you guys have? (laughs) All right, Daniel. I have used Griot's Garage products for over 20 years, and when we approached them to be a sponsor, I told them it was you guys or nobody. I don't want to use anybody else. I'm not interested. I I have found them, and yes, their products are amazing. They are one of the companies yeah. that actually have chemists on staff, and they mix and develop their own liquid car care products. Side note This here, is huge. Randomly, you guys probably don't realize this. There are celebrities with car care product lines. There are YouTubers with car care product lines. Yes, yes. There are lots of car care product lines in general that you've heard of that are big names in their own right. The vast majority of those are relabeled someone else's core product. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. only, as I understand it, and you can correct me, Paul, there's only like a handful, like five or six maybe companies total. I think it's less than four, actually. That make car care products. Now, now put that, compare and contrast it with the number you're seeing on the shelf, Yeah, which means right. they're all essentially re-bandaged, rebranded things. They're rebandaged, too. They are, yes. That, that, there you go. They're all just rebranded things that are sold under a different person's name because that helps them make money. So that is the weird thing about Griots is they make their own stuff, and that is incredibly rare. Daniel, Griot's people, the family, they're actually into cars. They're not just out to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> this is a, It sounds strange, but they're not just, hey, here's some products and we're making money. They're actually, they love cars deeply like you and I do. So yes, I'll give you an example. I don't recommend the use of a pressure washer, even though the touchless car washes are essentially a gigantic pressure washer when you drive it in. Mm-hmm. I, I do that in a pinch. It doesn't get all the the, the deep dirt off <laughs> by washing it yourself. I told you to brace yourself, man. I told you to hang on. But for an example, Speed Shine from Griot's contains some waxes that yeah. will protect your car in between waxings. So just to go after it with car wash soap, and please do not use dishwash soap, because 
Wax is a form of grease. Mm-hmm. Dishwashing soap removes grease. Do not use dishwashing liquid. Use car wash soap. It's better for your paint. And Griot's Garage, it's environmentally friendly. It's designed for your paint. It's the yeah, best stuff yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. And so when you just hand wash it yourself, rinse it, and then you use uh, Speed Shine after that, it contains some waxes already that improve your paint quality, make it slicker, and, and keep it protected in between waxings. So they think of this kind of thing. So I will say, just go to Griot's, use the code every day, get a starter kit, and you'll be amazed. Well done. I have, look, there are three great questions on Instagram that all relate to each other. Oh, good. So I'm going to go right. through the three questions okay, right now, and I'm going to try to unpack this without making it a full topic Thursday, because it could be, <laughs> all right? Right, right. Raiden's Garage, Ty, how are you? The Sour Skittle, and Mystic Negro. Hey, George. Okay. The right. three of you have questions related. I'm going to run through the questions, and I'm going to try to unpack it in mass. All right, Raiden's excellent. Garage said, he's a truck guy. I know, I know you are, Ty. You've got an F-150 that you love. You also have a 911. So I, I've seen the Instagram. Yes, yes. So he says, we're not really truck guys, but we have a tendency, and we do, to talk about why are you driving a truck daily when you aren't using it for what it's designed for? Mm-hmm. And he's asking a question that's been on my mind a lot, honestly. Aren't sports car guys guilty of the same thing? You're driving a car that you aren't using its capabilities. I do have an answer for this, so okay. I'm going to come back to that. Excellent. Sour Skittle says, am I the only one listening to this podcast that likes just good old V8 power, go fast in a straight line? Am I alone in this? <laughs> He's essentially saying, look, I, I, a curvy road's fine in my Mustang. I just want big, throw-me-back V8 power. And you and I, Paul, have a tendency to talk about small – I was just talking about the RF. Small, right. light, little, chuckable. I drive a Lotus, which does not have a V10 or even a V6. So there's that. And then Mystic Negro says – It's got a V-nothing. <laughs> it's got it's got a – yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has four little cylinders in a line. Exactly. His, his comment is, okay, so we have the truck guys that are buying trucks and don't really use them as trucks – Aren't we as enthusiasts, you see how these all relate? Aren't we as enthusiasts creating our own problem because we're obsessed with power and zero to 60 and we don't use that either? All of these came in today. Amazing. All of these questions. People are thinking. I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. First off, Sour Skittle, there's nothing wrong with liking big V8 power. I think it depends a little bit on where you live in the world. I am a guy that I do think, and this relates to all of these questions, I do think that we have reached a place where Power for most people is irrelevant, meaning everything has so much power, it's not even a discussion point anymore. But it's all we want to discuss. It's all we want to shop for. Teslas are sold on their power. Every new new supercar is sold on how much power it's got. Every new truck is sold on how much more of your house it can tow away than the last version could. It's all about bigger, better numbers. But we've reached a place where your truck, your sports car, whatever, you're not using all of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's I, true. I think it's true. sports cars are the same. This is the reason I like small, light, not very powerful stuff. Because I do think if you have a sports car, to you, Ty, if you have a sports car, you can get benefit out of the sports car in a daily situation. The way you can dart through traffic, the way you can take an on ramp, the way that it feels connected to you in the road. The things that a truck is designed for off road, hauling, these kind of things. You're not actually getting that at all in your commute. Okay. All you right. can enjoy right. it, but you're not getting any of those features out of your commute. I can't do zero to 60 in my McLaren P1 like I'd like to on a track in my daily commute, but I can take the Cloverleaf and enjoy the fact that it's properly set up. Okay. Now, right. Right. I think the P1 is frankly just too powerful. I am in that camp. I think it is irrelevant levels of power. It is bragging right levels of power for most too people. Too powerful. I know that strange, does not compute to you at all. Strange but this terminology. Is, this is too how I think. Too powerful. Huh. I do understand, Sour Skittle, that sheer power is fun. I get it. I am a guy that look at the stuff I own, look at the stuff I love. I want to be able to use most of the capability of what I own on a regular basis. I loved driving that GT2 RS when we drove it against the 959. Spectacular. It yes. was amazing how accessible that car made track handling and 700 horsepower. I've never been in another car that powerful that was that that would docile for like a better way to put the it. The number associated with with the driving experience. Just your ability is to just not extract equal it. Sign. Your yeah. ability to extract it and yeah. use it was unbelievable. Yeah. But that's way too much car for any kind of normal situation. But we're so obsessed with bigger, better. We talked uh, on Tuesday about the fact that minis aren't mini anymore. 
because of the same yeah, problem. For sure. It has to be bigger than the last one. And they're one. almost 50 grand now, if yeah. you can believe it. So I do think we have all created a, a, a monster for ourselves in trucks, in sports cars, in everything, because we want the bigger, better. Uh, Sour Skittle, I encourage you to drive something small in a situation that allows you to feel what lightweight does for you so that you can connect and understand it. I don't think it's going to change your mind, but I want to make sure you've done it. To understand it. Totally. Saying. Okay, right. V8 power is very fun. The reason that Teslas sell with great zero to 60 and big, huge trucks with tons of towing power are fun to drag from the light and you leave smoke behind you is because you got thrown back in your seat. You're in charge of your own roller coaster. Mm-hmm. We are humans. We are kind of idiots. It makes us giggle. <laughs> so I could keep unpacking, but I'm going to try to close it down there. I think I've touched on all three. That's fantastic. And I, I've said it before, and that is I don't think there's any object quite so emotion-provoking as a car, as a, a new car. And the feeling of every – in every category you're talking about are the people who are building the autonomous white cubes for mm, our future mm. listening to this because – they address no part of what you just addressed. Fair. And, and I will also say, in spite of the fact that you and I talk about little tiny sports cars a lot, give us something with a lot of power and we are idiots. Totally. We will use that power every chance we get. We will light up the tires. We will laugh leaving the light. We will do all the stuff that makes power fun. We're not immune to this. Oh, absolutely. We just gravitate, I, me especially, toward I want small light and use a lot of it. The RF is 26 more horsepower than the prior generation. It only took that much more <laughs> that power. I'm not saying life. 300. <laughs> it was 26 horsepower. That's a T-shirt. All it took was 26 more. Ridiculous. Francisco H. is a friend of the show and has been wondering what was the first mass-produced car to start the trend of having a different suspension mode available through the press of a button. Mm. He says it seems like all performance cars have that now, but he doesn't know what car or OEM started this trend. Phenomenal question. We all take it for granted. We know, Okay. hey, adaptive suspension. Just Do you have an answer on this? I do. I didn't dig in on this. Bravo to you. I do. As a matter of fact, you're going to love the answer. Okay. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Lotus. Really? Colin Chapman at Lotus began work on this idea shortly before he died of a heart attack in 1982. So early active suspension systems using transducers and fast-acting hydraulic jacks were installed on a 1980 Lotus Esprit dry sump. Hmm. This was jointly developed by a guy named Peter Wright, who was at the time director of the Lotus research team. And he worked in conjunction with the Cranfield Institute of Technology, which is now called Cranfield University in Cranfield, England. Then that was actually being thought of and developed for F1. This was a rare okay. case yeah, where yeah, yeah. it went from road car to racing rather than the other way around. Developing okay. racing right. thing All that right, trickles down to road car. That's how we think of automotive tech in a mm-hmm. sense. But this w- went the other way that was then used on the Lotus Type 92 Formula One car, first used in 1983. And then, of course, people have suggested subsequently after that was the Porsche 959 in 1986 and then the 1992 yeah, Williams yeah, yeah. F1 car that was so famous with its active suspension. Mm-hmm. It was more reactive than anything. But the actual first driver adjustable was this 1980 Lotus Esprit wow. Turbo, dry sump turbo. Bravo on that research. And there's actually videos on YouTube of this car being driven around. I mean, it's total mm. old school. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you could actually see a difference when the person testing the car was standing outside the car and pushing on the nose of the car as if you were trying to sort of make the suspension bounce, Mm -hmm. the entire car, front and back, went up and down simultaneously. So the system was talking to each other through these hydraulic jacks. Interesting. You push down on the nose, and the back goes down the same amount. That's craziness. This was the first example. And again, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but we we take it for granted now. Yeah, yeah, we do. It had to be developed. It didn't just, hey, we've got this system, and it just works. It ha- it has to be better for you know various cars and you know we've talked about GM's magnetic ride first used on Ferrari and in transport the Ferrari's front noses were damaged because when the system was off it was loosey goosey there was mm. no electrical power in the fluid to prevent them from slamming into mm. the the bars and girders of the transporter so they had damaged cars and they're like. What happened? Oh, the cars were off in transport. So they had to figure that out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, so the the car remains, you know, fixed when it's parked and off, so it doesn't move around mm. on its mm. suspension. It can't only work when it's on. Mm. You know, when you have electrical power yeah, to the yeah, system. Yeah. So all all these things had to be developed over wow. the years, but fascinating question. And yeah, we just take it for granted now. 
That's fascinating. Classic uh, GTR says, <clears throat> what are our thoughts on what's next? We're in the middle of this ridiculous uh, <laughs> Phaeton and QP5 old sedan challenge. When it's over, which, by the way, is the better part of a year away, but when it's over, <laughs> I am now relying on a Phaeton as my reliable third car. That's It's unbelievable to me. I'm loving it, though. It's become the primary car it in has a weird become, way. It's right, really ridiculous. Right now, I'm using it winter. a lot right now. But anyway, <laughs> it really is a daily car right now, it's which hilarious. is hilarious. And anyway, many other videos on that coming. I'm going to do one called Phaeton Fails. Oh, I've yes, used that term coming. for a while. Phaeton Fails with a PH. And I'm going to sh- show you all the little ridiculous little things. It's not even going to be a driving <laughs> video. It's going to be, look at this. Okay, now. Now look at this. That's coming. When this ridiculous challenge is over and those cars go to you, the audience, or to a great tire fire in the sky, wherever they go, <laughs> what's the next challenge? Have we thought about this? And you and I have joked it would be cool to keep doing this kind of thing, but we haven't really taken it further than that. Mm-hmm. Classic GTR says, what about we both find old ratty examples of a 928 and our 300, the 300ZX like I had? I like the idea. I do, too. I'm worried about the cost of those as well because those aren't going to be five grand. But uh, interesting. It mm. would be cool to do another pairing of, yes, we were this stupid and went and bought them. I would like to do that again. I'd love to do it again. As a matter of fact, it got me thinking, watching the Barrett-Jackson auctions in Scottsdale last week, a 2004 Rolls-Royce Phantom sold for $85,000. It was $325,000 brand new, and the car had like ten or 20,000 miles on it. So it was barely used, and I thought, well, huh. And then another one, a, a 1990 Bentley Turbo R went for like eight grand. I was Whoa. like, uh, hmm, I could be rocking a Bentley for about the same money? Wow. Now, there's all kinds of scary problems, but there's that's the whole point. There's tons of scary problems. Like you're yeah. driving a 30-year-old Bentley. Like, good luck to the <laughs> good luck to you, but Wow. Drifting and sliding a Bentley around in the snow sounds Hey, I'd I'd love to have another 300ZX. Love to get a turbo. That'd be amazing, but you know, it's only money and time and maintenance and you know, we're in the middle of that right now. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> all right. Jump into a question on Facebook from Becca Walker asking about the base versions of the Stinger or Julia. Oh, I saw this. this is a good one, too. Yeah. Which is an interesting thought because we don't really talk about base versions of anything because ultimately that's not, from a used car perspective, that's hard to find. To get a fully, fully base version, you kind of sure. have to order it that way because when you're at the dealership, the salesperson says, well, you know, for just a few dollars more a month, you can have, you know, you just tack it on. Also, our thoughts on a lowered triplet, a Toyota 86, I'm guessing, for daily driving, TRD mm-hmm. Springs, nothing extreme, pros and cons. First of all, the base versions of Stinger or Julia. That means the small engine on both cars. Great. Fine. Yes, to all of that. That means the price is kept low. We're talking just over $22,000, $23,000 for the Stinger. Is that really how low it is? You can almost engine? get there. I, I believe you can. I, I know the, the Julia is in the... Th- it's in the 30s, like the low 30s. Brand new, you're talking? Brand new. I'm talking base. like a, a slightly you're so, used, oh, you're going used Stinger okay, sure, sure, sure. base. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, you could 2. for that. 2.0 turbo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could. Yeah, and probably Julia for about the same money. Again, one or two years old, somewhere in there. And we're just at now at that point with these two cars where you can consider new. They're not too old, but they're, you know, they're not brand new or they're depreciating. So I say yes to both. They're very interesting cars, especially for that kind if of If you're asking which one, though. Because I'm actually wondering if Becca's asking which one. If I was ch- chosen to pick Julia, I, I much prefer I the base version of the Julia than the, than the smaller engine version of the Kia Stinger, for sure. I definitely would go base version. Uh, absolutely. Julia. From a handling and, perspective, the yeah. Julia is far better. And, and honestly, unless you get the Quadrifoglio, every other Julia has that same Turbo 4. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. has surprising amount of power, and it so moves that excellent. car really, really well. I think that is actually a good base buy. On your question about taking a triplet, this is you're talking about the Scion FRS, the uh, Subaru BRZ, or the Toyota 86. You're taking talking about one of those and lowering it. Uh, my recommendation to you: you said TRD Springs. If you're going to do factory stuff, I think you're probably okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you get beyond that, you are being your own R and D department. What's good about those cars is there's so much internet discussion. There are so many products available. Somebody has tried the product you're considering. So dig into forums and look at it. My concern anytime you start playing with the suspension is you're going to make the car just worse. Or you're going to make it good at one thing and not everything. Well, you make it one way and then you have to add money to to make it better and you, you keep 
you know, it's an endless rabbit hole of money. You can do adjustable coilovers. I know that exists, and you can you crank them down for the track and make them soft for the rest of your life. You can do all that kind of stuff. So what I would say is if you really are going to go further than just the factory stuff, dig into forums to find out uh, pros and cons there. I'm very much of the mind of leaving the suspension alone on that car because I think they did that really well. But, of course, you could go nuts. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right. Uh, question also here from Matthew Hickey asking about a free car. Free car. It sounds good because he's being given a 2003 Eclipse GS five-speed. Okay. But the question is, how do I determine if I'm modding out of class with the free car? The car that was given to me. The car cost me nothing. Isn't any dollar over nothing modding out of class? It's a fair question. Look, hanging a scented pine tree air freshener on that car is modding out of class. I'm sorry to say. The GS (laughs) version. (laughs) It was even the... It was even the mid-range that that car actually wasn't the greatest to drive. And I'm sure I'm going to be getting the hate mail if you own an 03 Eclipse GS and you're saying, no, it's the best ever. There's other cars to consider, I will say. It just never went far enough for me. So I say, is there a way to... You know, keep the love going and pass it along. A way to give it back. Is that what you're saying? Kind of. You're saying, I don't really want the free car. I'm just, I'm not sure what that free car is going to do for you. And okay, so it's free. Great. Mm -hmm. Is it good enough and do you like it enough to drive it as is without putting a single dime towards it? If it is, yes. Keep the free car. Get the most out of it. That's the cheapest car ever. Absolutely. For sure. But now that you start to make it something that it was never originally designed to be. I agree with you there. I I think if this is free car because you need a car in your life and somebody in your life has clearly been very generous and said, you can have this one. Thanks. Honestly, and it's because you need to get places in life. This is brilliant. It's incredibly generous of them. And I think the stuff to do is get the best tires you can. Mm-hmm. Sure. And do all sure. of the maintenance to get it running very, very well. And now stop. And go sell it. Make some money on it. <laughs> but, but now, but yeah. now stop. Yeah. And then figure out, I, I take your point, could you sell it down the line? I'm not saying turn around and sell it right away, but could you sell it down the line for, I mean, anything above zero, you're, you're up. Exactly. But, but exactly. if it's just transport for a while, let it be transport for a while. For sure. I think the minute you start throwing money at something that is not designed to be a sports car, and designed to be a real enthusiast car, you are on the losing end. Yes, and, and to quantify that, you just heard us talking about the 86 for Becca, mm-hmm. just the question prior. That question was designed by Toyota and Fuji and Subaru and, and everybody who designed it, was designed to be a platform for building it into the thing. And it can As take well. more That's power. That's true. That's fair. The That's chassis fair. can take yeah. more power. It can take better braking. Tires alone on that car wake it up. It's phenomenal. It becomes a great sports car mm-hmm. doing small things. The 03 Eclipse GS was never designed to do that. It was designed to be just, hey, a little bit of a sports car, a little bit of a, a look to it. It was the look of the times. And, and you, I mean, you're not being you you're not being given a terrible, you know, mid-grade sedan or hatchback that's nothing. There's sporty intentions in that car. But I think, <laughs> honestly, but hey. I think take it yeah. and get good tires and do good maintenance and enjoy it for what it is and don't try to build. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. What other questions you got here? Uh, who else do I have left? Because you actually picked some of the ones that I saw as well, which were really, really good. Oh, you know what? Isaac is saying most S2000s are listed between fifteen and $25,000. Mileage all over the place. It's almost irrelevant with that car. Is there a more compelling car for similar money mm. or that's newer? I have to say it, Isaac. Have you driven the, the Mazda Miata? Seriously. It do, yeah. Look, it doesn't have the engine personality of the S2000. But the flip side of that car, which is phenomenal drive, the flip side of that car is that unless you're on a back road, most people find that car slightly annoying to daily mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the power is so high in the rev band, and that's not how you, you drive in a normal commute situation. If you're going to take it on a back road, great. Also, some people find it a bit... Jittery, shall we say? The AP1s were known for more oversteer and being much more uh, oversteer prone than the AP2s. I think the AP2s look a little better, a little more refined. Either car is great to drive, has one of the best shifters ever. But if you're looking for, I can buy this and I can enjoy it, and it's a convertible. Look at a Miata. You're talking up to $25,000. Look at a Boxster. Mm. If you don't like either of those... Look at a Pontiac Solstice for half this much money. 
Okay. All right. So I, I'm not sure what you're, what exactly about the S2000 you're liking. It is a it is a pinnacle car of its time. There is no question there. I'm not arguing that at all. But there are other cars. If you're talking about options, they're out there. You could spend yourself a third of the budget, get an MR2 for like seven grand. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. True. But I true. really think to compete with the S2000, you can go an NC or honestly, if you're talking 25 grand, you can go the current gen Miata. You can't get the new engine yet, but almost. The new almost. engine just changes everything. Uh, some of those, so some of those used are already twenty five. So you can almost pull yeah. that off. So you could do a Miata. You could do a, a Boxster. Those are both compelling alts to the S two thousand. A few quest, quick questions to touch on here. First of all, from Kyle B, who took his first drive in a new nine fourteen, new to him, and ran out of gas. Apparently, <laughs> okay. the gauge isn't accurate. Uh, clearly. Probably, yeah, old 914. The first car to pass him and turn around and make sure he was all right was a Tesla. What <laughs> lesson should he take away from this? <laughs> that Tesla driver's nice. <laughs> the lesson is people inherently want to be helpful. I and hope so. Take advantage of it, and I hope it worked out. And did you tell him about the show, by the way? Did you tell him about the podcast and your questions <laughs> featured? And hello, Tesla owner, if you're listening. And I think it's awesome. And clearly... Well, it doesn't matter what you're driving. He just wanted to make sure you're okay as a human being. Yeah, be nice. That's a novel idea. That's great. I have a Salt Lake-related question. Okay, good. Uh, Elijah Sears says, I'm looking to move to the Salt Lake area next year or so. Is it necessary to have snow tires, or could I get by with all seasons? Ooh, the question. He's just walking in, swinging elbows. Ooh. Anyway, he says, I have a, a 2019 Civic Si sedan. Uh, like that car. Very cool. Elijah, let me tell you something that goes on here that most people don't realize. We're up in Park City. It's about 6,500, 7,000 feet of elevation. Salt Lake proper is 4,500 feet. Okay? So not only is it 2,500 feet or more lower, you'd be shocked at the difference in the amount of snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, we have a fan of the show, Vlad. Thanks for being with us, man. Uh, he has a, an Elise that he drives daily, and he drives it all winter long. Chance, as you know, that shoots for us, lives in Salt Lake prior. He has had, I think, two or three days this entire season so far when he's like, huh, there's like a decent amount of snow. <laughs> yeah. You and I are I'm, I'm having trouble getting off my driveway, and he's going, oh, decent amount of snow today. So You're getting a run at it, a high-speed run gosh, to try yeah, to get out. I'm still failing. So Salt Lake Valley gets significantly less snow than we do. The problem is, are you going to stay in Salt Lake Valley? Mm, yeah. Because the minute you go anywhere toward any ski resort – Ever, you should have winter tires on. Yeah, for sure. And so you could get by if you were doing little commute things in Salt Lake, you'd get by. But the minute you get into any kind of snow, and I see it. I see the people with the Utah plates and the all-season tires mm-hmm. working their way up the canyon, and they're not getting it done. Yeah, And sure. when I was regularly commuting to Salt Lake and working in Salt Lake, and all of my coworkers lived in Salt Lake, the amount of terror most of them would speak about when trying to go up a canyon or even to get to Park City, they t- they looked at me like I was insane when I showed up in my FRS rear-wheel drive, and they were like, you're going to drive that all winter? I mean, they looked at me like I w- I'd actually signed a yeah. death warrant for myself. No. And I was like, it's tires, folks, but all of them were running all season. So yep. where are you going in Salt Lake? Ponder that. Question on Twitter from Ed the Sled asking if we think the new Supra would have been better received if it was rebadged as a BMW Z4 M Coupe. Well, your inherent question here is you're saying that it's not well-received? Is that what I'm hearing? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of the, um, uh, internet commentary. Let's say it that way. Let's just say I'm glad Toyota did, took the plunge, and to do it had to partner with BMW, as you know. Imagine if they didn't. People would mm. still be demanding the Supra. As they did and True. how they did it, True. I applaud them for doing it and taking the plunge to be able to. Because they couldn't make a business justification otherwise. Whether they sell in huge numbers or not, the fact remains they did. I think that's amazing. So to be honest, no. Because that M Coupe was never a huge sales volume leader for BMW anyway. True. They're sort of the kings of niche vehicles and they make enough of them to make a profit. So it was never going to be like the sales blowout number anyway. So why not take the plunge, bring the super back? And I think there's enough people like that. And I, that the car will be around long enough and people will finally be like, yeah, the Supra is kind of cool. I hate to say it, but the Supra that everybody just falls all over themselves about was also not a sales success. It was a terrible, it lasted it for like three years. Okay. People didn't love it until after it was out of production. Which is interesting, isn't it? So it'll be very interesting to see the real life cycle of this one. All right. Last question for me here is Benjamin T asking, how far is too far to live from a car dealership? <laughs> <laughs> well, it just kind of depends on your appetite, yeah. but 
if he's going to buy new, he feels like an hour drive is too much for oil changes and maintenance. Well, consider you're buying new. Modern cars don't need oil changes and maintenance nearly as frequently as cars 10, 20, 30 years ago. Fair point. Fair point. So now, depending on the car you buy, they sometimes recommend 10,000 miles or more between oil changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a year of driving. That means once a year you're going to the dealership. Is that too much? That's a fair point. I knew a guy that bought a BMW, and BMW's intervals, I think, are 15,000 miles now when you buy a new one. Wow. And he was five or 6,000 miles in, and he couldn't figure out why the dealer hadn't called him. So he called the dealer, and the guy he got in the service department was like, what's wrong, sir? And he was like, there's nothing wrong. He's like, well, I mean, what's, what's, you want to ring your car? And something, I mean, you've only got 6,000 miles. something wrong with your car? And he's like, no, no, I'm just calling because shouldn't I need an oil change by now? <laughs> the guy was like, no, 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 we'll call you. That's awesome. I mean, the the Cayman that I had, the first Cayman, had a 20,000-mile interval in 2007. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, it's crazy. Now, that was what Porsche recommended. And All the Porsche good freaks synthetics. everywhere said, do it at every three to five. It depends how you drive. And, and I did not wait 20,000 miles. But for the owner's manual to recommend that back in 2007, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 20,000 miles, like a couple, two or three years of driving before you even think about it. <laughs> These guys that put 1,000, think about this. The guys that put 1,000 miles on their Cayman a year <laughs> won't, do it, won't do an oil change this decade. By the way, you need to do it at least once Please a year anyway. But it. seriously, yeah, if, they, if they were following the manual, it's like, well, I got a long time. So, okay, so say something breaks and you need it more often, but once, twice, once a month, is that too often? You figure out some other errands to do in town while you're there, and it doesn't sound like too bad of a deal Interesting. Today. Okay, I like that. Guys, thanks so much for your questions. As a reminder, please uh, add your, hey, here's my buying time frame to your emails when you write to us with your debates, and also keep the topic Tuesdays and your car conclusions coming. Definitely. Really appreciate it. But your debates, more than anything, are what drive the show, and we really, really appreciate it. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Next podcast is the continuation of the Best Of series. Starting so with Nissan. Jumping into Nissan. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Cheers, everyone.